welcome highfalutin ski bum podcast episode number 116 it is your pals mario and brian we are back fresh from whistler so mario what's up everything is great it's wonderful since we had our trip to whistler and it feels like we haven't done this in a long time for some reason yeah it's been uh almost two weeks now because of us being at whistler and of course we thought maybe we would actually get something done there but of course that did not happen as it never does when we are actually out and about somewhere you know i think if we had a longer trip if we had like a two-week trip maybe even 10 days i think then we could allocate a couple hours to make a podcast happen but we you know i had a really compressed timeline you were compressed i had a day off which i probably could have done it because i didn't really do anything around town except for recreate let's put it that way yeah and that was the day that i was rolling in so it just it just couldn't happen but we're back and we're gonna recap our trip so thank you all so much for checking us out you know how to find all of our information skibumpodcast.com we're on the socials we're on that goddamn data stealing fucker website facebook.com slash skibumpodcast burning hell Ugh, you suck zuckerberg Twitter.com slash podcast, Instagram.com slash podcast. We are on Pinterest as the Highfalutins, and we are on SoundCloud. We just renewed our yearly SoundCloud plan. What? We did, allegedly. Damn. I didn't get the pro. I probably we're, should have. It was more we're money. Committing. We're committing to it. Yeah, I should go to the pro because that'd be unlimited. We could put our whole library out there, but I don't put our current ones out there. But maybe this week I will. I'll just have to go and check it out. Soundcloud.com. It'll be like Christmas. If you see it. Ski bum to see if I did. Boom. Yeah. And if you do find it, let us know and uh, leave some comments. We'll, we'll give you a shout out on the on the podcast next Troll week. Troll us, please. Cool. Just let us know you care. Just let us know you care. Caring is sharing. So with that, we'll talk about what we care about. It's time for Opray Today. Yeah, Opray Today. What do you got, Brian? All right. So, like I just mentioned before, we were in beautiful Whistler Blackcomb in, in Whistler, British Columbia. And our pal Rich from All About Opray, who's been on a couple times and was supposed to be on today, but had a an engagement that came up that he had to attend. He had a, uh, a contact up there uh, with the good folks at Gibbons, which is a brewery in North Vancouver and they have a office right in Whistler, like right in the village next to the Weston. And they had a, a beer they make there called their Apre lager. And he had a, a sixer put aside for him uh, that they, he, they were going to send it to him, but I guess there's some sort of international regulations or restrictions that prevented them from sending him in the States. So he was, they were like, Oh, if you have a friend or anyone, you know, come up, we can give it to them and they can bring it back. They can keister it and bring it back. I was that friend who keistered these six (laughs) beers. So is that a record? Rich's beers, but I figured since I did keister them, I should at least have one to celebrate. So we put them up there and one didn't quite come out right away. Right. He had to wait. Well, it took about two days (laughs) and some food poisoning, but we got it out. So lo and behold, that's what I'm drinking right now, a Gibson's Apre Lager. Nice. It's an Apre ski beer. It's nice and light, 4.6%. It's very refreshing. It's very light. It's, you know, it's a lager, so it's very smooth. It would definitely taste better after skiing. 
but it's something you know, about a nice refresher after skiing. That's nice, right? Everything. Beer in general just tastes better after skiing, but yeah. even though we're just talking about skiing now, it still tastes pretty good. So thank you, Rich. And thank you to the good folks at Gibbons. Um, great job. This is a delicious après ski beer. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, so I'm going back to the good old Hobo Life, uh, Lord Hobo Brewing Session IPA. Um, I like this because it's 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 light as well. So this reminds me of Apre, and you know I think I I had a I had some darker beers on when I was Apreing out in Whistler, and I think I wanted to switch to something lighter. So then I went to the old you know got to settle my stomach. Let me go to the vodka vodka soda, then the Moscow Mule, and now and then I went to you know like. Um, either session IPAs or I went to just pale ales and this would hit the spot if they had this in Whistler. But uh, so I'm still thinking of Whistler while I'm drinking this, but they actually had Lord Hobo in Whistler. No, they had it in Florida, Florida. Florida you're saying, okay. Yeah. So I got it here, but they didn't have Lord Hobo there. So, okay. Uh, I was yeah, just saying, talk like, about turn of events of me drinking in Whistler. Was, <laughs> that's where it was at. There you go. And we will talk about some of our favorite, things that we did in Whistler, including our favorite beers coming up later in the podcast. There we go. But while we're still talking about Apre, I want to, we want to give a, a shout out to our, our uh, friend, Brandon, who sent us an email, you know, uh, that he went on his own beer pilgrimage to Burlington, Vermont. And uh, he actually, you know, referenced our Ski Bone Week 2015 episode 39 and uh, use it as a guide for his uh, his own beer excursion. And Blast he, from the past. I like that. Yeah, he hit all the spots, man. He hit Pro Pig. He went to the craft beer cellar. Went to Hill or had Hill Farmstead. <clears throat> That's where you know he was really listening to our show because I tell you, it takes a lot to get somebody to go up to Hill Farmstead because it's the middle of nowhere, but it's so worth it. Well, I don't think he went to Hill Farmstead, but he said he tried his first Hill Farmstead beer, which I think uh, was that Pro Pig. Yes, Pro Pig has it. Well, a lot of places are carrying it now. They're starting to, yeah. I mean, places even around in like New York and New Jersey will occasionally have Hill Farmstead. Some, you know, they're usually pretty like super beer nerdy spots, but you can find it sometimes. It's crazy. So yeah, he used our, uh, you know, kind of a, he hit the big ones and I guess used our, some of our tips, which is awesome. So thank you for checking it out. And looks like he had a really awesome time and a, a special note to you, Mario, is that you can get sip of sunshine from craft beer sellers. They will ship it to you. I know that might have to happen. That may have to happen. I'm on the internet tonight. So, uh, it might happen tonight. There you go. After that, uh, that Lord Hobo. It's quite possible. Or maybe after a second Lord Hobo, you may have to start ordering and get some refills. You know, it'd be great if they shipped it like next day and I can have it tomorrow. That's like the Amazon Fresh, right? That's right. Amazon Fresh IPA. That'd be great. Now, one thing that Brandon mentioned is Foam Brewers in Burlington. And dude, I never heard of them. Ah, oh, so Good. they've been getting, they've been pretty hot for the last couple of years. I was up there in last April on Good Friday which is actually this week when we're recording this. That's tomorrow. And we're up there and we went to, you know, uh, Alchemist up in Burlington. And then we went to Pro Pig and then we went to, wait, did I say Alchemist in Burlington? Alchemist in Stowe. My brain's not working. Oh, that's right. The new one, right? Alchemist in Stowe, Pro Pig in Waterbury. And then we went to Burlington and we got food. We went around a couple spots, walked around. And I had 
two choices. I could have gone to Foam, but I ended up going to the Growler Garage instead. Ah. Just because I wanted to check it out because it sounded so cool. You like the garage in the name. You're like, it's a garage. Well, the logo is awesome. And we, we talked about it on one of our other trips that we went to Burlington on. And all I got was like a cider, like a citizen cider, which is good, but you can just get them anywhere. And I regretted not going to foam. And now I regret it even more because I keep hearing how awesome it is. And but I love the tip not, for Brandon. Love that. Yeah. So this is good to hear that more people are saying how good it is. So we will definitely make a foam trip next time we're up there. And so this... Also, this craft beer seller, I just have to say I'm on it right now. I'm actually going to buy some. They're saying $4 for a sip of sunshine. That's cheap. That actually isn't too bad. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, I can buy like eight. 40 bucks shipping? Probably. But let's see. Add it to the cart. Can I add eight more? Add to cart. Uh, it only lets me add eight at a time. Eight cases? Eight cases of beer. Oh, I'm going to buy this stuff. Uh, let's see. Total 30. Yeah. They, oh. All right. We'll see how this goes. By the end of this podcast, I'll let you know if they have, if I've been go. successful. Yes. That's awesome. And then also Brandon mentioned in his email that he's been motivated to get back on the slopes after five years after listening to the podcast. Oh yeah, Brandon. How Do it, babe. awesome is that? Yes. That is love so cool. It. We love getting emails like this. This is, this is like what keeps us going, you know, on days when we're like, screw this. Why are we doing this? This is a waste of our time. No, we just, just these little nuggets of, of reaching people and people having cool stories that, you know, that they're they're they enjoy what we're doing here is like all we need to keep doing this. So, so thank you so much, Brandon. One person to get back on the slopes. It's totally worth it. That's true. We're trying to make skiing great again. And We'll do it one person at a time. That's fine. That's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to, you know, to spread the joy that we get in skiing and apre and everything that revolves around the world of skiing and just, you know, share with all you folks. And, you know, sometimes people find it. Sometimes we got to force it down their throats, but we think we're doing something kind of fun and cool. And it, uh, you know, we get these kind of feedback and it keeps firing us up to, to keep doing it. So. So thank you so much, Brandon. Keep getting out there skiing. Keep finding new beers. And uh, thanks for writing us. And if anyone else has any stories or wants to share any of their their journeys, trips, uh, hit us up, skibumpodcast at gmail.com or, or hit us up on the on the socials. Yeah. Except goddamn Facebook and their data stealing nonsense. Data stealing sons of bitches. Scumbags. <laughs> Wasn't it the company out of Boston or something? I don't know. I didn't want to get into it. Fuck yeah. that. I don't even want to think about it. I just want to drink my beer and talk about skiing. That's right. Screw them. They took our stuff. Where'd the outline go? All right, here's the outline. I was I was too busy in beer by mode. I'm like looking at other stuff. They got Queen City Brewery. They got Otter Creek Rock Art. All stuff going on. The Free Flow IPA. We don't have that down here. This is like a kid in a candy store. Even though that's Order easy to get. I'm ordering you're, everything. You're maxing out your credit card on beer. Dude, I'm going to get like, the funniest thing is like, I'm at work and like my mom, because I'm living with my mom, of course, uh, bumming with her, that uh, <laughs> she gets all my packages. She's like, what the hell are you ordering? Like, there'll be like big cases. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. 
<laughs> it's better off you don't know. You don't want to incriminate yourself. Sorry. Mom, I need you to take this to this other person named Tito down the road. <laughs> I played the physics. I don't know. She's old. She just did something. I don't I don't know. She doesn't know what she's doing. She hit some button. I like swarm, swarm. <laughs> Taking her down. Crazy stuff, man. All right, next up we got Brian found this really cool article and it talks about the best small town bars in every state. <clears throat> and one of the cool things about this is they talk about some local bar that's really close to Brian that we still have not gone to and you still have not gone to, right? I have not gone there and it's and I've I've jogged past it. I've drive past it every day when I go to my I job believe it's called jogging, jogging. Yogging. I've we've, with I've taken you there on bikes past it. Yes, but for some reason my dumbass still hasn't gone in there and had a drink. Damn, and I love I love places like that. Yeah, it's a uh, Murphy's Tavern, and it's in New Jersey, and it's a speakeasy. I love speakeasies. It's a speakeasy. It's been around since Prohibition, and it's in the basement of a house, like that's in a regular neighborhood. It's so weird. I mean, you if you didn't see the sign and see the cars, like you would never know that it was a, a bar. Nice. Apparently, Geraldo Rivera is in walking distance, too. So apparently, Geraldo is my neighbor, which this is news to me. Wow. Can you see Geraldo when you, when you go there? I, uh, I have not seen him yet because I haven't been there yet, obviously. Oh, uh, um, that's why. Springsteen lives, well, he used to live here. Bon Jovi lives here, so maybe he'll be there. Probably not. He's probably in a Philadelphia Soul game. Um, but yeah, so I'm making it my April is not the first month, but I can still make a resolution during it. Resolution for 2018 that I will go to Murphy's at some point. Nice. What do you think about that? In your face, not going to Murphy's. In the face. <laughs> In the face. <laughs> All right, so let's call out some other cool things that we found uh, that we see on here. So in Vermont, in Stowe, they're, they're listing the Line House as one. I've never been there. Um, it says somewhere between the Stone Mountain Lodge and the nearby chairlifts. Uh, it looks like it leads into a meaningless maintenance closet, but it's actually the entrance to the Lodge's secret speakeasy. Another one. I've never, I've, dude, I've only been to Stowe a couple times, so I don't know about this place either. You better get there quick because you know so many people listen to our podcast that they are going to flock in there. It's going to be crowded next time. It's quite possible, yeah. I might have just ruined it by by calling that out, just saying. Um, I think the good folks at Thrillist probably get a few more readers than than we get listeners, but you just Potentially. Never- Potentially. Um, Virginia, let me call it the wooden pickle just because anything with pickle in the name is has it for me. Like, you're a pickle fan, yeah. Pickle Rick, Pickles the cat. I knew a cat named Pickles, it's a great, great name for a cat. Just I don't know. Well, New Hampshire, uh, you got uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm definitely butchering the pronunciation, Panucci's Ale House, Pinucks, close to nice, close enough, N U C H E S and Keen, you know, so uh, that's right near some skiing. So you can go there. So New York Hudson, the back bar. Any idea where that is? In Hudson, New York. Montana, you get the pony bar. The pony bar. In the town of Uptown Pony. 
Very cool. Minnesota, the blue moose. Moose in the name. I like that too. <laughs> of course it does in Minnesota. That's right. Minnesota. So you have 40 rotating taps in a, a former, formidable beer bar stocking regional favorites like uh, Toppling Goliath's Pseudo Sioux. So they have German fare with Cajun poutine and walleye fingers. Wow. It's like a whole mix of stuff. Cajun poutine. Wow. Very interesting. So yeah, definitely go through this. Uh, Massachusetts, yeah. Moe's Tavern. It's like the Simpsons right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would make it, that would almost make it definite that Springfield is Springfield, Massachusetts, right? That's right. And their website is nocoreslight.com. <laughs> that is genius. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Most Tavern, Mass Pike exit two. You bastards. <laughs> Ass Pike, you bastards. Wonder if they... In Colorado, it's the bread bar in Silver Plume. So it's situated sounds... in Denver and numerous ski resorts, which has got oh. a distinct small town mountain vibe. Sounds fancy. Yeah. They got a lot of good beers on draft. Uh, from Denver Beer Company to Avery to Station 26 to Stem Ciders. Oh, wow. Uh, Idaho in Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh, it's the 219 Lounge, and they're saying it's in an idyllic ski slash lake town, uh, and it's one of the favorite bars there. So they uh, did a recent makeover and um, brick laden dungeon of dark dive bar into a brick laden, uh, slightly brighter dungeon of a less divey bar. <laughs> Sounds actually charming it works for me very cool all right so something i guess this could almost be considered ski townish in utah they have the shooting star saloon in huntsville Um, that sounds cool the only thing with utah you know me four percent beer if that's ruining it i don't know but perhaps this place is kind of like off the grid enough that it uh, it kind of doesn't follow the rules. It's it's a saloon. I mean, don't saloons, aren't they kind of like a little more shady and less law-abiding? That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. They have Hill Farmstead in this. Uh... Apparently, it's a can't-miss apres ski destination after a snow basin or powder mountain. So, Ooh, can't miss. Very cool. So a lot of great small town watering holes that you can check out one for every one of the states in the good old usa in the good old cool we'll post the link in the show notes that you can check out at skibumpodcast.com let's get into the genjula So, uh, Frank, um, I don't know if we missed his bean of the week this week, uh, or we're out of sync, but, um, I think we, we have a different bean for various reasons. So while up in Whistler, do as the Whistleranians do and enjoy the local stuff that's offered. And, um, what we found was a strain called hemp star and, uh, very delicious, uh, strain. Uh, talk about this. 
Smelled great, by the way. Uh, developed by Dutch Passion Seeds as a tribute to all hempsters and the international hemp movement. So it's a sativa-dominant strain, originally a three-way cross between skunk, oasis, and haze. Um, but then they Dutch Passion later brought in, slipped in a little bit of Northern Lights number 5 and haze to create the modern brainstorm strain. Um, so it has mild taste, traditional sativa effects. Um, I like the good effects. Very happy. Off the charts happy. Almost off the charts euphoric. Very good energy, uplifted and creative. Um, this was really a good effect. Uh, very high dry mouth, which I really did find. Um, paranoid, didn't find that too much. Dry eyes, had dry a lot, a lot of dry eyes on that. Uh, dizzy and anxious, no, nah, I didn't feel that too much, but they're saying it's it's in there. Uh, really good for depression, stress, nausea, pain, and lack of appetite. So after day of skiing, not too bad. Very nice. So one, one person described it as a uh, strain smells like fresh citrusy lemons growing in a rainforest, which I can concur. Uh, when you smoke it, it tastes like mother earth, put her dick in a rainforest. <laughs> So while they start off with a nice review, it's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Did you taste any bit of Mother Nature's dick when you uh, consumed it? You know, it was the it was the feeling of Mother Nature's dick in the room. But um, no, it was, uh, I tell you, it was great. It was throbbing. It was in there. It was throbbing. It had a nice, it had a nice smell. Like I could, uh, I could have used it as cologne, just walked yeah, out remember, like that. And I remember smelling what you had and it did, uh, it was very nice. Yes. And whoever in Whistler picked up the rest of um, the quarter that we had to buy. <laughs> so it's probably about an eighth that we gave to charity, just left it out in the open, came back five minutes later, it's gone. That's mission accomplished. So whoever got that, um, you're welcome. And I hope you enjoyed it too. Paying it forward, man. That's right, man. Spreading the love. <laughs> So that was some good stuff. And I think it's time to mention this place, a little place called Whistler Bud Shop. Right, Brian? You want to talk about it now or you want to talk about it during the main topic? Oh, let's talk about it in the main topic. We're going to save it. I like it. (laughs) We have one story while we're in the gondola. And it looks like, again, New Jersey. We're talking about it again. We're talking about one of the best bars right near me. And now it's going to be much easier to get medical marijuana in New Jersey. Originally our new governor was saying he was going to get it legalized in the first hundred days. And he's getting very close to that hundred days right about now. But because there's a bunch of bickering and dick swinging going on in the state Senate, they've decided to take some immediate actions that will allow the medical program to expand beyond way beyond the 18,500 patients who are currently enrolled. I mean, right now you need to have something kind of chronic, which was like multiple sclerosis or HIV, AIDS, cancer, um, ALS, uh, inflammatory bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease. And you had to be pretty advanced stages too for everything, right? It was like, yeah. And there was only, I think five dispensaries in the whole state. But they doctors said, were regulated too, like they had to register. It was a whole big shit show. Yeah. So now they're adding stuff like anxiety, migraines, Tourette's, chronic pain. Um, so a little bit more broad uh, ailments that you could have in order to get it. 
unfortunately now you still need to go to a doctor and you have to apply through the state and get your card. Um, and <laughs> there is a list of doctors who are, um, I- I'm not sure if, if they're just known or they're part of the medical program, but I've already started to seek and <laughs> look at the list and see if there's doctors in my area. And there certainly are. But, um, I think one of the things they're saying is that you need to have a doctor who you've been seeing for a while. And uh, yeah, you have to have like intimate knowledge of the patient or something like they are a bona fide close. relationship with the doctor and the patient. Intimate Maybe knowledge means you got to sleep with the doctor. <laughs> Do you got to bang the doctor? Like what's up with that? Well, I think this is also how California started. Yeah, originally it was very strict and then, you know, eventually just it kind of breaks down and it becomes, you know, you have the doctor on premises of the dispensary and you can just, you know, get what you need. So this is at least promising. Uh, They were promising us legalization. We still haven't gotten that yet. This is a step in the right direction. But will this linger on for years before legalization or is this just kind of like a quick stopgap and then, you know, everybody approves this and it goes well and then boom legalizations in place. All we can do is wait and see and, uh, you know, try to make it happen. I, uh, I kind of want to try to find a doctor and see if they or just keep bouncing around and see if they will eventually give me a prescription. (laughs) Might as well. It won't hurt to try, right? Right. That could be investigative reporting. It could be. I think I think that's what it goes under the classification. I'll be the man on the street. Yes, the man undercover. I've always wanted to be that guy. Let's go to ski news. Lots of ski news this week, right? Yeah, we're a little backed up because of the hiatus being in Whistler, but we got some new news and some a little bit older news. And the first one, I'm sure everyone has already seen this video. But, People couldn't stop talking about this oh one. Oh my god! It is like it's it, it's, it's it's horrifying scary. and awesome to watch at the same time. It's terrifying to watch it every single time. <laughs> it's the the incident in the uh, former Soviet Republic Georgia where the ski lift just starts ripping backwards and like launching people off. I mean, this is one of the most like terrifying videos ever because. You know, being skiers and boarders, we we're all on you know dozens of lifts every trip, and you see this, and you're like, "How the hell can something like this happen?" And yeah. you know, why doesn't it happen more often? I don't understand. Well, yeah, so you could describe it, but it's just if you haven't seen it yet, holy crap, it is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just uh, it starts going backwards and going really fast backwards, and you see this one. I think it's a woman. I mean, you see the, uh, you know, when it whips around the, the, um, the bull wheel, it just gets sideways and just like rips people off. And then there's just like this, just smash up of all these chairs, you know, on the side and, uh, people are like, are bailing out if they can, you know, it's, it's fortunate that it seems like no one got seriously hurt, but they said there were eight people that were sent to the hospital with, um, you know, pretty serious injuries. That's crazy, man. It's, uh, I mean, that, that thing is cranking that lift. Oh yeah. And some people are smart enough to just kind of like 
to just bail out before it uh it got to the bull wheel and started whipping people around. I mean, it was throwing people like ragdolls. It was crazy. Yeah, and they were like just jam- like the the chairs was like jamming up together. Oh, so if you were on that, you would have gotten crushed into like another chair. Yeah, feeding it thrown off like wildly. It was nuts. Yeah. But I guess that in the the crazy part is there were people jumping off it because they knew what was happening. I guess they looked behind him and like, holy shit, we got to jump. Like, just get off of this thing. Yeah, at least people kind of took initiative and didn't just like sit there and be like, well, I'm sure that this is all under control and someone will take care of this. Yeah, no, nah, that's not going to happen. They were like, fuck this. I'm bailing out. It's like, <laughs> stop, drop, and roll, man. That's right. out of the way. <laughs> stop, drop, and roll. This shit is going down. You got to get out of the way. You, sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands and get the hell out of there, man. Pretty much, yeah. So <laughs> if you haven't seen the video, we'll have links to it on the show notes at skibumpodcast.com and you can check it out. That's terrifying. Crazy. Hashtag terrifying. Oof. Wow. All right, next up we have uh, a pretty interesting uh, invention, uh, if you will. So it's a uh, robotic exoskeleton by a company called Rome. And what it is is it's an exoskeleton that's actually robotic powered. So it'll superpower your knees. It'll, it has sensors on the exo, exoskeleton so that um, it'll adjust like torque uh, at the knee via actuators. So it'll help with like quadricep muscles. So it's programmable and automated with manual overdrive overrides, but um, always keeps users in control. So it actually seems pretty cool. They're saying you can use it to extend your ski day or push beyond your limits, go stronger, longer. Um, but I really like the idea, this idea, because I would imagine someday, you know, this could be a device to help people that um, don't have uh, fully function of their, of their limbs to, to do some cool stuff. Um, I think it's, it's really cool getting into that technology. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff. And it, when I'm a hundred years old, I'll be using this to ski still. Yeah. I think that's the, um, that's the one thing that that's promising is that, you know, as, as we're getting older and you know, your, your joints start breaking down and ligaments start falling apart. It's cool that there's something like this that can give you that, that assist to, so you can still get out there and do this. Yeah. I love that idea. That's really And cool. you know what? It's, it's pretty interesting to see. Um, I mean, you know, obviously they have some test pilot testimonials that I'm sure they're, you know, they're obviously chose the best ones. And one of the ones that says it feels like you're the Terminator on the slopes. <laughs> And another one said that I felt the power and energy as I held the edge on turns, which is what makes skiing more fun for me. And then the third person said the worst part of it was when I turned the device off and couldn't feel the support anymore. So I guess it almost is, uh, you know, it, it takes what you can do naturally and makes you stronger or better. That's pretty cool. I guess it, it depends what you're doing too, right? Yeah, I would I would guess so. And it's um it looks almost like a leg brace when you look at it. Yeah, so it locks your knee and leg in, right? Yeah. So it gives you that brace, and then there's an app, I guess, on your phone where you can adjust your torque settings. And that way you can adjust how much, I guess, flex and give 
the uh you know the exoskeleton will will have and it shows like your uh your range of motion uh your knee your knee flex and activity levels so again like you mentioned before and like i reiterated i think as you get older this this could be you know extremely helpful in helping people stay on the slope longer instead of uh, opting for crazy surgeries or or just giving up the sport you know this will allow people to to keep keep going out there i wonder just you know emotionally you know what you get back like using this versus not using it if if it feels like you're almost cheating or almost like you're not getting the full experience or if you really just you know, it's almost like a motorcycle. You are, a, you know, used to be back in the day, you wouldn't wear any helmet. And you're like, oh, this is, I need the wind in my face and my hair feels real. But you put a helmet on and, and some people think it takes away from the the activity. And really it just, you know, keeps you safer. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's great, man. I mean, even if you were rich enough to have one of the, you know, a set of these for, let's say you're out skiing 10 days in a row now, you know, you can do like two, three rest days with having a little bit of assist that you're a little tired get a little you know yeah that's true so now the only problem is well the the price is it's steep but you know two thousand to twenty five hundred bucks they're saying now what happens if someone hacks your exoskeleton and it gets all freaking georgia lift ski lift and like the thing (laughs) folds backwards and like snaps your knee in half the other direction starts running down the mountain without you you uh Without uh, without your control, right? Imagine someone hacks your freaking ski exoskeleton. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it on this podcast while we've been talking. I have confirmed my purchase of Sip of Sunshine that will be delivered to me. Boom. I also got a bunch of other stuff in there. So, Do you have a delivery date yet? Of course not. No. I got the order number. They took it. So Craft Beer Cellar in Belmont, Mass. And uh, going to have to say thanks to our new buddy that gave Branded. us the... Brandon gave us the recommendation. I will be getting eight cans of Sip of Sunshine. Let's see. What's the other big one I got? Um, Coors Light. Coors Light. Got uh, Hill Farmstead, Ron Rubin Pinot Noir, which is a uh, thing. Uh, Pseudo Sue from uh, uh, Goliath, from uh, Top Lane Goliath. That's on the list of the top 250 list of uh, beer advocates. So got some good stuff. Nice. Well, yeah, yeah, as soon as you get it, you have to post pictures to prove oh, yeah. it didn't happen. I'm going to post pictures of my mom having drank half of them, like passed out on the floor. <laughs> That'd be funny if she was like, she just opened them and starts drinking them. All right. Awesome. So next up, this came out, I think it was last week, and this cracked me up. Did you see this? The, uh, the ski blades? The ski blades? No. Oh no, I did. I think we talked about these. Yeah, the good folks at J Skis, J J Leventhal's company. He he came out with like a limited edition freaking ski blade, and I think they made eighty of them, and they were on sale for like forty minutes, and they sold out like instantly. Telling you, man, it's coming back. Yeah, well, it's uh, there's a cool video, and it it you know. I guess there there is a purpose to to these like ski blades or snow blades, whatever. I mean, different people, have different names for all these things. But um, 
they kind of show some some area where it would be fun to kind of use these things. You know, you're kind of ripping in the park and, you know, <laughs> kind of cruising yeah. around. What's good if you get enough um if you get enough days in, you know, it's nice to have some days where you just screw around and this looks like a lot of fun to just screw around, man. I mean, in the park, they do look like they'd be kind of fun. Um, you know, I guess if you're in the trees, you can kind of, you know, mess around there too. The video is hysterical. Some of the crashes are just dynamite. And the, <laughs> the jackets they have, the team ski blades <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> well, they were on sale for what? 169 bucks? Yeah. And that's cheap. And I guess do you use your regular ski boots with that? Yeah, that's the good part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta check out the video. It's on uh jskis.com. We got the link to on the on the website. But they're so funny. The oh, binding awesome. does not release. Use oh. five feet tall. <laughs> the binding comes at- already attached to the ski, so the skier can adjust by simply using their hands to fit any size ski boot in the size range of two sixty-five millimeters to three forty. Wow. Oh man, it is fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, hey, if you want them too bad, they're already sold out. I'm sure you can get them on uh, eBay or something for uh, way more. And they're, <laughs> I like how it says originally they were 420 bucks, and they're like, yeah, they're only 169 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we reduced them instantly. 80 pairs. Well, I think it's like a some sort of weed joke because it says, Public release April twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, uh, and uh, four hundred twenty bucks. So four twenty price point. Four twenty man. Four twenty. But I think the uh, the team ski blades neon yellow jacket is still available for forty bucks. So oh, you see, make that happen if you didn't get the the ski blades you wanted. Somebody's gonna be sporting that man. Oh, it's fantastic. I love a ski company with a sense of humor and Jay skis. They uh they definitely have that. So nice job over there. Cool. So next up, uh we have Black Crows. Um there's a Shamani Unlimited Festival, uh sponsored by Black Crows, right? Yep. And this is going to be April 4th through 8th. So it's coming up. If you don't have tickets yet, uh, try to get your ass out there. Uh, they're going to have a few venues and a bunch of artists. Uh, the artist list is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty lengthy. Um, so this is going to be four full days of music. Uh, looks pretty cool. Um, all different types of music. Um, got a little techno stuff in there. You got a little stuff going in there. So uh looks pretty cool yeah i do this every year and it shows all the different uh events i mean it's uh it's pretty much a, an endurance race between skiing and partying yeah a lot of the passes are sold out because they have different passes for um for different festivals man and there's only a few left i mean they're showing the videos it must be from last year and it looks like just a crazy time i mean you have ridiculous skiing um, they have it all set up so it's cashless. So you have the wristbands. So I guess they just keep scanning you. So nice. it's almost like when you're on a cruise ship, you know, and you keep getting scanned. You're like, oh, this is the best. I don't know how much I'm spending. And then all of a sudden you, you know, <laughs> dropped like 3000 bucks on drinks. Yeah. Looks like four days of La Folly Deuce. 
Yeah, pretty much. It's ski all day, jump into the pool party, dance all night. It's like no awesome. cash, no worries. And it's like on mountain and then off mountain partying. So it's like, and it's funny, the video they have, they show the guy doing the, uh, the wingsuit. Cause I guess they do that a lot out there. That's yeah. like, yeah, I wouldn't be doing the wingsuit, but I, I heard Shamanie's awesome. That's the one trip I had to miss because of stupid work made me stupid work instead of go stupid skiing. Bastards. Stupid ass work. Stupid ass work. So one place I still want to go. I actually have my boss who also just got fired recently. <laughs> um, he's in France and he skis Chamonix every year. He's not your boss anymore. He my boss anymore. He's a good guy though. <laughs> um, and he skis like a mofo. So he's from France and Chamonix is one of his home mountains. So see, I think this kind of thing, like this, uh, this festival would be something that we need to do. It seems like it would be very kind of on brand for us. Yeah, that would be. Did I just say on brand like a giant on, douchebag? Yes. I did. And did. it felt good. You did the D bag. You dropped a D. <laughs> you dropped a big D in the D bag. It felt good to say on brand. I don't care. On brand. Yeah. Well, if we get that funding that Mario promised. Yeah. Before the show started. <laughs> Where I, I'm going to hold myself to that promise. I'm yes. thinking it might, it's not going to be just $2 million. I'm thinking $10 million of angel. Angel investor funding. You're the the good folks at the mega millions. That's right. We'll call it angel and devil investing. We'll have both. uh, Yes. The, uh, the angel investors at mega millions. It's the mega millions business plan. So it works out pretty well. Try Um, to make that happen. Hey, if it happens, this podcast is going to see, you see billboards of us all over us and 900 million other people trying to make this happen. That's right. Yeah, but we're going to have billboards all over. Every every ski town is going to have like a big ass obnoxious douchebag build, billboard because that's on brand for us. Have a plane. <laughs> yes. Have an orange. Have a big, right, big logos on everything, like an interior. I have like stewardess with like all our logo all over it. It'd be great. We'll just start, you know what? We'll just start like paying people to tattoo our logo on their faces. Oh yeah, we'll do that. We're gonna have to wear like full on onesies with our logos and shit on it when we go no. skiing. Face tattoos. Face tattoos. I want commitment. Committed committed face tattoos. Yeah. We'll have our logo on everything. Underwear, socks. Like we'll get you an epic pass every year. All you gotta do is tattoo our logo on your face. <laughs> no, we gotta get those Olympic passes so we can go to everything, every every mountain. Oh, Was like it ten grand one or whatever? Yeah. yeah, sporting the Olympic brand and and going, and then we can go to the Olympics and flash off our big fancy suits. It'd be like Bitcoin that, guy. That lady made the Olympics, you know, for Hungary doing the half pipe, and she was terrible. So you know, maybe that could be oh, our goal for the next Olympics. It's I think we should have some country sponsor us. Hey, I could I could race for race for Puerto Rico. I'm first generation American man. I'll be Puerto Rican race team. There you go, Puerto Rico ski team. Let's go. Me and John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would work. He does the uh, commercials for Ski New York, so it's pretty funny. I'm like, hey, another Puerto Rican, let's go. Oh, that's right. Get a little ski team going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. Boyne Resorts to acquire ownership of seven resorts and attractions. This happened Ooh. about almost two weeks ago because it's after the last podcast. But uh, Boyne Resorts, um, they have acquired um, with ski resorts holding to acquire six mountain resorts and a scenic chairlift attraction currently leased by the resort company. 
Oh. Included in the transaction are Brighton Resort in Big Cottonwood Canyon near Salt Lake City, Utah. Cypress Mountain in Vancouver, British Columbia, which we just drove past last week. Mario's favorite home, his new home resort, Gatlinburg Skylift in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Yeah, Urban Ski Weekend, baby. It's going to happen next year. Oh, I got to write that in. I'm planning. That's February usually, right? Schedule it, yep. Usually yeah. Super Bowl weekend. I was, on a, I was in France. Otherwise, I would have gone. Yeah, it's Super Bowl weekend. Loon Mountain in New Hampshire, Sugarloaf and Sunday River in Maine, and the Summit at Snoqualmie near Seattle, Washington. The transaction is expected to close later this year and well ahead of the 2018-2019 ski season. Nice. Yeah. So more of the consolidation is going on in the uh, in the ski world. You know, it wasn't one of the uh, the, the two biggies, Vale and Altera, but uh, gonna get hot and heavy soon. Uh, they're starting to uh, to build their little their little um, army too. So. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see the way things keep panning out in the ski industry. It's getting crazy. All right. So talking about the big people in the ski industry, Altera Mountain Company unveils a long-term capital improvement to improve the guest experience. And I guess they're talking about in general. So they're saying uh, $555 million budgeted at 12 mountain destinations over the next five years and $130 million budgeted for the 2018-2019 included new gondola and three cha- new chairlifts. So um, this is actually hitting a ton of different mountains. So um, they're saying it's 12 mountain destinations spread over five states and three Canadian provinces. So Steve Winter Park um, in Colorado, Squaw Valley, uh, Alpine Meadows, Mammoth, uh, June Mountain, Big Bear, um, Stratton, Snowshoe, Tremblant, Blue Mountain, Deer Valley, um, and CM Heli Skiing and Summer Adventures in BC. So uh, it's a various, you know, depending on what they have uh, allocated for each mountain. There's a whole breakdown in this article, but it's everything from Opry ski destinations that they're building out to lodges, to lifts, to gondolas. So it's pretty interesting. Now, this is, I guess, Brian, we were talking about this not too long ago. I guess this is where being part of a bigger conglomerate probably um, helps some of these smaller mountains or mountains that wouldn't have been able to afford to do these upgrades on their own. So pretty interesting to see. Uh, I would imagine they're not going to be the only big uh, company that owns a lot of mountains to do stuff like this. But um, I guess now they can consolidate and do it as like a uh, a group to uh, allocate money and then and just start doling it out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think especially to the uh, the smaller resorts or the the more southern ones. When you talk about the need for snowmaking, like you know they mentioned snowshoe in there. Yeah, I'm sure for them, you know, making sure they have, you know, snow is, is critical, obviously, for skiing. And, and I don't know how much they can really afford on their own to, to you know, raise up their, their snowmaking game. But having, you know, the big conglomerate team there probably makes it a lot easier. So, yeah, that'll be, well, it seems like it'll be really beneficial for them. Now, what was the, um, the joke? We had a friend that had a place in, um, Sugarbush, right? And she used to say they used to joke around that. I guess when they uh, the same owners owned uh, uh, Mountain Creek, and that's where all the profits were going for a while to upgrade Mountain Creek <laughs> from Sugarbush. But uh, 
I guess it happens, you know, some people are a little bit bitter about it, but uh, hey, you know, it's people helping people. Yeah, you know, some places just need, a, need an assist, really. You know, like, uh, like you mentioned yeah. Mountain Creek, you know, it's got the New York, New Jersey area. So you've got a, a lot of a densely populated area that can bring in a lot of money if it's got the right terrain, the right conditions, the right snow. And, uh, you know, places that are further north, like a sugar bush, they're almost not 100% guaranteed, but they're more likely to to have a, you know, constant natural snow so you know it's um it's if you're part of a team you got to help out your your weakest link sometimes and sometimes it's the uh the the guy who has the potential to be to be great might need that assist once in a while so yeah so if you're talking profitability let's see yeah, they mentioned our, uh, Mountain Creek, but I'm just wondering, like some of these I'm sure are not as profitable, but if they have the p- potential to be, why not, you know, throw that investment towards there? Bring skiing yeah. somewhere else. All right, and with that, it's time for our main topic, isn't it, Brian? I believe it is. Time to talk about the beautiful place that we love to call Whistler. Yes, indeed. Now we had two very different trips. Just yeah. in general. So um, let's explain that to people, right? So I went with a big I went with our ski club for a whole week. And you came out midweek with uh after stopping in Seattle to pick up your buddy Nick and Liz, uh your buddies, and come on up. And we basically stayed at the same hotel and kinda from that point on it was like we were kind of around each other, but it's not like we had the same trip together because like it was just bedlam stuff was going on and that's, that's what happens. Yeah. It was, yeah. Since you were there the, for a whole week and I was on there for like four days. Um, we really didn't even hang out that much. No, we skied one day and that was about it. Right. Yeah. We skied one full day together. We didn't have dinner. We didn't have dinner. Nope. Um, we had a couple drinks. I had a bail the one day cause I was just exhausted and starting to get sick. So yeah well i mean you know how it is with all these like week-long trips as soon as you get there you're super excited and you you hit everything as hard as possible so you know you kind of it's easy to kind of wipe yourself out so like if someone comes in later midweek they're all fired up and you're like dude i've been like doing this the last three days you know i'm kind of i'm kind of beat up right now I got to say I was good for the first three days and then I had the rest day on the fourth day and I felt more tired having that rest day because I was just kind of, I started, my body started kind of recovering and it was just like shutting down. And then Thursday we skied together, had a really good day, uh, but that wore me out too. Cause we did a little, did a little hike and we did a little, little good skiing. It was pretty cold. I was wet the whole day. Like there was, there was a, that was a kind of a shit show in the morning, but so now when you got there, how was the weather? I had three bluebird days. <laughs> so you thought that your you my streak was going, man. What the bluebird? So we had what four the last time we went and had I had eight consecutive bluebird days at Whistler. <laughs> You're the I was only like person ever to experience that. I was like, my streak's gonna continue forever. And that's when the that's when the clouds rolled in. So, so how was how was it temperature wise though? It was a little warm. So uh, I got to say it was just about right at freezing. So it wasn't like too warm for spring skiing. But the first day we were there was the warmest. It got uh, just like a few degrees above. 
and, and it was really sunny. So it felt really springy at the bottom, got mashed potato and stuff. Uh, at the top, it was kind of good. It was like, it was comfortable because it wasn't a lot of wind. It was uh, sunny and like right at freezing. So we had a really good day. We didn't have fresh powder. Everything was tracked out and packed, um, but it was still good. I mean, you know, going off trail, it was hard in a lot of places. We did find some places on some of the bowls where there was some uh, softer snow um, and not tracked out as much. So that was good. Uh, but for the most part, it was kind of, we skied three days like that. It started getting progressively colder. And by Wednesday, it was like, all right, we skied hard on what we could, but like, we really want some fresh snow to freshen up. So they had in the forecast, um, they had, uh, yeah, they had in the, in the forecast, like some snow. So we were happy to see that we got a, a little bit of snow. Yeah. So that's the thing for folks who have never been to Whistler. One of the interesting things about it is that the elevation is really not that high. Uh, no, you're at in what? The village. So 2,000 or 1,500 at yeah, the... It's about 2,000 in the village. And I think the you're right what? on the coast, which yeah. is, you know, usually if you're talking like a Utah or Colorado, most places you're, you're staying at seven, 8,000. Uh, it's, uh, it, you're way up there. I did love staying there because I tell you what, I had no problem with, with altitude, which usually kills me. Yeah. So yeah, if you're a person who gets, you know, bad altitude sickness, it really is a great spot because again, you're staying at 2000, not a big deal, but you can go up to 7,000. So That's another thing that makes Whistler kind of magical is yeah, there's 5,000 feet of vertical that you get yeah. to skate, which also means that the conditions which you may experience in the village will be very different than what you're going to experience in the Alpine. Definitely. Which leads to some positives and negatives because sometimes it'll be raining in the, like one Wednesday, we got there Wednesday and when we drove through Vancouver, it was 60 degrees and we're like, wow. what the fuck? Yeah. As we went further North, I think it got to about 53 when we were in Whistler, when we got there and it was starting to get late in the day, like four or five o'clock. And it's like, dude, it should be way colder by now. But we just had perfect timing where yeah. it got cold that night and then uh, a high pressure or a low pressure system came in and it just started, well, it was raining in the village Thursday morning, which it does I got, sometimes. I got rained on waiting for the stupid gondola and soaked all day. Yeah, you get rained <laughs> on in the gondola or when you're waiting for the gondola. Because we didn't stop. Singles line, singles line was the move. You guys did the right move. Yeah. yeah. Um, you get rained on in the village. You take it up to the roadhouse. We were on the Whistler side and uh, you get up there and it's all snow. It was all so snow. It's, it's a big, it, it could be a really big difference where the rain snow line is. And you can't really predict the weather because like they were calling for like maybe an inch or two of flurries um, and that was going to be it. But it wound up starting on Thursday and it went all the way through till probably Saturday, right? When, when you were so skiing? Probably like Friday night into Saturday. Yeah. Friday night and it dumped a lot more than they expected. It was probably a good foot and a half over I'd that say, time. Yeah. Well, Thursday when we were up at the top, I think uh, we were seeing probably like eight inches, nine inches, and then it kept snowing. And I, I would say probably like a foot and a half by the next day. Yeah. It turned out like, you know, when we got there, everything just kind of came together temperature wise. And the one thing is, you know, also, you know, a lot of times you're not going to ski back down to the village. You don't have to, there's so many lifts 
that are mid mountain going to the top that, you know, if it is raining in the village, it's not a big deal because you don't have to, to deal you're not with going it. down. Yeah. You're not going down that far. So you can stay up where it's snowing. But unfortunately other times where if it's, you know, pounding rain in the village and it's pounding snow up top, the Alpine will be closed and the bottom will be mashed potato and shitty. So you're kind of stuck in like a middle area. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very mixed bag weather wise, what you can get. It's very unpredictable. Well, but, even all day, like, so we we're out, um, Wednesday, it started getting foggy. Like the clouds started coming in. So it was bluebird, but then you had areas where clouds started coming in and there were areas that we went like seventh heaven. We went and we're going down and it's icy as anything. So we're like, all right, we're not doing this anymore. Um, then the clouds started rolling in, jumped over to the other side by the glacier. Beautiful out there. It's like, we had a nice pocket of sunshine and we're doing like just going off trail and it was, was kind of nice like because that was a little bit softer um and broke for lunch that was like the one day we broke for lunch and you know just a quick lunch got back out we're like all right let's do a lower part of the glacier again it was all fogged out it was all clouded out we're like ah it just changed like that within an hour you yeah know? it's like the old adage if you don't like the weather at whistler wait 10 minutes right yep <laughs> so but uh yeah that's that's kind of the name of the game. And then when we went out on Thursday, like I got soaking wet and then got to the top, you know, of the gondola and I'm like, Oh great. It's nice and dry. And it's just snowy up here, but I was kind of soaked and we didn't stop for lunch. So it's just kind of, we just went right, right on through. So. Yeah. We ended up just doing a couple runs on the Whistler side. And then one of the cool things that Whistler has is they have this peak to peak gondola, which when you, I mean, just put two triangles together, and that's what Whistler and Black Comb are. They're two giant epic mountains next to each other. And they put this lift in maybe eight years ago, I would guess. Yeah. So. And you can go pretty much mid-mountain across to the other mountain, mid-mountain as well. So if you're hanging out on one side and you know, you heard, because, you know, word spreads pretty quick when there's a good a good spot, so... We uh we just did a couple we I think we went up on the Whistler lift because we wanted to go to the Roadhouse because we wanted to eat something. Did a few runs, went over to Black Home, which is usually better can probably a more probably it's better, better terrain. Now, we like the terrain better, right? Better terrain, yeah. Yeah. So we went over to there and uh, we found some you know just fantastic snow up in the the glacier area. Well, we hiked up to the glacier, which mm-hmm. uh, you know it's kind of like if you go there and the glaciers open and you don't do it, it definitely is an experience. So if you get a chance to do it, I think everybody can do it because there's actually a blue run. They don't, they don't track it out, but it's classified as a blue run right in the middle of it. So you get that experience of actually doing a hike up. It's a small hike up like 10 minutes, right? 10, 12 minutes per hour quickly do it. And then you jump in anywhere on that bowl and, uh, anywhere off the glacier. And if you keep walking further, you definitely get into a little bit more advanced terrain, but it's, uh, it's still all wide open. I mean, it's just a big ass, you know, glacier bowl kind of thing. The only thing to be, you know, to, to pay attention to is that, you know, and you don't want to go up there alone because it can get a little sketchy and it's easy to lose your line of, of your, you can have a total whiteout. Yeah, you're above the tree line and it's just a whiteout. I mean, yeah. there's there's nothing. They I mean, huh. do have the trail markers, the blue and the orange ones. Yeah. So you can stay along the trail markers, which is actually where some of the better snow is. But um, there's, you know, there's 
rocks, there's crap up there. So if you know, if you were to be there up there late in the day and something happens to you, you could be in some deep shit. So yeah. there was well, four of us. So we were together and there was one other dude who was kind of <laughs> sticking with us. Like kind of yeah. like, Hey, you know, I, I, he was alone and he wanted to make sure he was near people, which was probably a smart move. But yeah. besides him, there was maybe two other people in the, the 15, 20 minutes we were up there. Yeah. So the funniest part is we're hiking up. So that day, I think the visibility was a little bit worse than, than Friday. And, uh, we hiked up. So you take a lift up, then you got to take a T bar up and then you got to hike up and, you know, to the top of the glacier and hiking that little hike up to the top of the glacier, it was foggy and it was really low visibility. So the snow was pretty deep. Snow was pretty deep, but then when you drop in, so you drop in and there's no visibility. We're following the the sticks, you know, the, the markers for quite a while, like probably like maybe a quarter of the way down. And then all of a sudden the, you start going out of the cloud and you're like, all right, I could see a little bit better. And by the time you get to the bottom, you're like, Hey, this isn't so bad. You know, it's, it's just very weird and subtle. Like you don't realize it, but then it clears up just like that. So. And Friday was the same too. Friday was a little bit better visibility. I have a picture of me standing at the bottom and it's a beautiful like Christmas card picture, like blue sky, trees have a little snow. You can see everything vibrant and clear. And meanwhile, probably the scene like 15, 20 minutes before that at the top of the glacier was, I can barely see anything. (laughs) So it was just bizarre. But, and then we had the full face plant. Uh, from all of us, full frontal ejection. Well, I think Nick was the only one who ejected. But we all, <laughs> I, I ejected too. Did you? Yeah, um, I was trying to. I was trying to jump that thing. I, I thought I could make it. Yeah, we uh, we actually have GoPro footage of this that we should post on YouTube. Yeah, our our buddy was kind of in the front, and it, again, there was it was you know there was a decent amount of snow on the ground, probably close to a foot around there, and maybe more because there was just nobody skiing over there. And we started going down and, you know, the trails off to the right and we're kind of off piece to the left. And you couldn't judge the the topography of the land. And he kind of just went for it, looking, thinking it was just like a dip. But it was like a whole ridge that he tried to go across and just like... It was like a drop off and then the drop off ended at the start of another mountain. Like, But it was like know. a but it was like a really light powdery mountain that he hit. So right. kind of dropped in like a ravine, like I guess the front, his first ski popped you could off. see a ravine. Like, the, yeah. The snow. Oh. Yeah, he it hit and ejected. He just, he hit it and it was like the snow just swallowed him up. It was great. It's like I saw it in slow motion. And then me being the asshole, I'm like, yeah, I think I can make that. I just got to jump high enough so I could make the <laughs> other angle on the other ridge and I had it worked out on my head. And, and of course I hit it and one ski popped off and then I went down. I was like, shit. And then I tried going around to try to get across. And then I hit, the, <laughs> I hit the same thing, but at a slow speed and just kind of tumbled over. Yep. And then there was a snowboarder behind us that saw us all fall and he thought he could make it. He goes, he falls too. <laughs> So the only smart one on that was the other guy had a friend that was with him. He was laughing his ass off watching us the whole time. <laughs> and he went around the whole thing. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty funny. It was fun. It was, you know, it was powder. So we were just like, just playing in the snow. Yeah. But that was, we had to decide that was gonna be the last run of the day just because we were all, you know, beat up from the hike and. It was pretty late. A lot of traversing after that to get back. Yeah, it was like three o'clock by the time we got off the mountain anyway. Yeah. And then we decided we're like, we're going to go to the, uh, 
Garibaldi Lift Company and get a celebratory French dip with bacon. Yeah. Mm, go big, right? That's a great place to stop. It's right at the Whistler uh, gondola. It's the, it's, they just did a big expansion there, I guess. Must have been last year or this year. And they uh, have a lot of outdoor seating, indoor fireplace, a lot of beers, good food. And it's, again, right there at the, the gondola. So as soon as you get off the mountain, it's right there. So. I'm getting hungry thinking about it. It's the French dip, and you go big. And what do they do? They add mushrooms and, like... Bacon. Bacon. Oh, delicious. Yeah. You got to go big. Dude, I inhaled that thing. I was like, ah, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat the whole thing. I was I was just starving. Once I sat down, I was, like, just eating. I was oh, like, yeah. I could have eaten two of those things. I got vaporized. It was so good. Yeah. So much, so much good food. <laughs> But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so let's talk about uh, food and beer. So that was on the mountain. Any well, any other highlights on the mountain? Well, for us, that was so that was an awesome, an awesome one on with the snow on Thursday, and then Friday we didn't. So I didn't ski with you after that. The rest of the trip, and I skied yeah. two more days there. And um, so Friday, we hit on the um, the Blackcomb side. We did Arthur's Choice. Oh, nice. Which yeah. is that glade run. And it's, you know, if you're at the top, it's skiers, right? It's off of um, the Crystal Ridge Express. Mm. And again, with all that fresh snow, like, and after, you know, being an East Coast tree skier, once you get into out there, I mean, everything is so spread out. You have so much room and you actually have snow and not just ice. So yeah. it was a blast doing that one. That one was a lot of fun. So yeah, it was, you know what, we didn't, it wasn't like we skied, you know, first chair to last chair every day, not by any stretch, but every day had like some, some really epic runs that, that made, just made the whole day. So there was that one and there was another, another, um, tree run that I forget what it was called. I think it was like, that's not the one all the way by the flute ball. That's gnarly knots or something. Gnarly knots. Yeah, we kind of, uh, it's near Honeycomb because Honeycomb was one of those really long runs. Um, dude, 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 it's somewhere by Solar Coaster, I believe. I think it was called Gnarly Knots. And um, again, it was just, yeah, Gnarly Knots, another uh, um, right underneath the Accelerator Express, another black tree run. Uh, it was, just in fantastic shape and no one was on it. So we're like, Oh, let's check it out. And it was just a blast again, right terrain, right conditions. Cause it was a little bit, you know, hard to see those days. It was a little bit foggy getting in the trees. It just uh, was, you could see a lot better. So I'll tell you Friday, I had one of the, the best times I had, like the best, I guess pieces. And it was a piece between Wednesday, Wednesday, I went out with a big group and they were like, well, you know, cause me and my buddy Ram, we were, we were skiing pretty hard. And, and I guess they were with a really large group and not, you know, it was mixed with, you know, uh level of skiing that people were at and boarding. So kind of like the Wednesday came around and, and people were like, Hey, can we ski with you guys? Like we're, we're kind of limiting the group and just, we just want to go out and ski. So we took about like first run and we were like doing a uh, harmony bowl. We're just cutting off trail and we're just like, so we kind of wore everybody out. Like with the first, like, I gotta say hour, like 
we took we they were falling apart and it was good because we had like a really good ski day that day and everybody wore themselves out and then we kind of went out with the same group on uh friday and the best part of that was we started going off off trail like off of uh seventh heaven like just jumping off trail and going we did harmony jumped off trail there and then we went all the way to the um uh the uh whatchamacallit the uh, glacier and we hiked up there um and it was good one of the things i liked about it because there's a lot of people we were with i gotta say more than half of the group i mean we were with like a group of nine but everybody kept up and nobody was complaining it was great because like i started out like all right we're not going to stop for lunch. Anybody needs a power bar. I got extra power bars. You got water. We'll stop for water and peeing every once in a while, but it's not going to be no selfies. No, you know, if you want to take a picture, everybody stops once to take a picture, but we're not going to like, you know, make this like a long stop kind of thing. And we just moved through the resort. So, um, but the best part is we started going off trail and taking these people more than half of them hadn't gone off trail. And we took them to like safe off trail places. And it was kind of cool. Cause you could see like they got that feeling that they hadn't had before in a, in a ski trip. So it was nice to be able to like share that with somebody and be like, you know, this is kind of what it is. You could dabble in it and you know, don't go crazy. But uh, it was, it was kind of, it was a lot of fun for that too. Where'd you, know? you guys do that specifically? Do you remember? We hit off of seventh heaven a lot. Like there oh, was seventh heaven. Yeah. Yeah, because you go to the skiers left off of uh I forgot what that run is at the top. Um you, you, uh what the hell is it? I forgot which one. Upper cloud nine? Uh to the right of cloud nine. So instead of going straight to cloud nine, you just jump right at that last trailhead. That panorama? Uh not panorama, the other one. Uh upper oh, Hughes Heaven. Hughes Heaven, yeah. <laughs> So we did Hughes Heaven and then you jump to the left and you go through trees and there's like little, little hills. I mean, it's nothing extreme or anything like that, but for a lot of these people, they wouldn't go in there because they don't know what's there. And we were kind of scouting it out and jumping in there and like, oh, this is cool. But, uh, there was no, there was fresh tracks we were getting in there. So that was the big thing. Like everybody's getting like fresh, fresh powder. And it was like, yeah, this is the first time some of them were getting that. I was like, oh, it's cool. We'll just rip down there and, and do that. So. That is cool. Yeah. Just cause yeah, a lot of people just don't even know. Yeah. Or it's, it's scary, you know, going off trail, you don't know if you're going to hit a rock or whatever. And you know, that we assure them like, nah, it's going to be, you know, and then we're pretty good at like stopping, making sure people aren't in trouble and then moving along and stuff. So it was kind of cool. So it's cool to do that. You know, like Nick did that for us, like when we were there last time, which is nice, you know, following him, uh, him and Liz, like they know that mountain, like, like it's their home. So it's kind of, you know, where they're taking you and he'll preface like, you know, like what to watch out for and stuff like that. So you feel very safe, you know? So it's kind of like nice to share that with other people too. Oh yeah. It makes a big difference. But yeah, powder was nice. Um, so anything else you got? Yeah, we did seventh heaven two on Saturday and that was, you know, on a Saturday, the lines get a little bit longer, but yeah, they're just getting a couple epic runs in and, then just bombing down from the top all the way nice. you know, from the very top of black home to all the way down to the bottom. It's uh, you can get some, you know, on a day like that it was actually pretty cold. So the snow was really firm and you, there were spots where there was just, you know, wide open, you know, nice Wine. blue, steep blue runs that you could just rip. Nice. And, uh, it was just, just fun. You know, it wasn't super technical, but you could just, you know, air it out, which was, uh, which was great. Nice. And this is actually the first trip I've been on where I brought my own skis. 
Oh, this is? This is it. This was the first one. And oh, wow. I, I finally got to use my Black Crows that I bought last year and used one day. And it was half a day and I probably shouldn't use them <laughs> the wrong conditions. But they were uh, they were spectacular out there. They were they were perfect for you know big mountain skis. So nice, that's cool. And this is actually the last three trips I've been on. I brought my uh, my DPSs. Those things are solid, man. <clears throat> Love those fucking skis. <laughs> but I used them three times on three trips, so I think they're getting old now. I think I need new skis now. Need a new pair. I need a new pair. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess that that kind of uh, that's that's the mountain for the most part. As we, uh, again, we really didn't do much of Whistler. It was mostly on Blackcomb again. Yeah. And like you said, you had a compressed, uh, a little bit of a compressed uh, trip. So, yeah. You fit fit a lot into a little bit, right? Yeah. You know what? Next time I go, I think I really want to get over to that Dave Murray downhill again. Yeah. The, uh, the downhill course. Yeah. And just like make sure my skis are nice and tuned, the edges are sharp, and just like rip down there. Rip down. Try yeah. to pull some high speed runs on the uh with the ski tracks app. Huh. Cool. Yeah, I actually um ran into another uh ran into a few people that are uh in in the media industry. So hopefully we'll hear from them soon too and just kind of connect. Uh but we had a good day skiing with those guys. Um it was met up with them, I think it was on Wednesday, and uh it was just had it was one of those things where you had a, it was like a group of six of us and everybody was a good skier so it was kind of like nobody cared where we went and we were trying to get over to one area and we're like ah we see some trees fuck it let's just jump in it was like one of those crews and we just had fun just doing doing all that stuff so it was kind of it was a lot of fun but uh all right so let's talk about food and beer and coffee um Food, I tell you what, like we stayed at Delta Village and in the hotel there, what is it, the brick brick house, the bar? Yep. That food there is dynamite. It's like it's it's convenient. They got a good beer selection and the food was good. Um, that was one of my favorite, I gotta say, I had the uh the boar burger, wild boar burger. It was awesome. Ooh. Delicious. Very nice. Yeah, you know what? I was surprised because I think last time we ate there and it was okay. Mm. But it was it up uh, this time. The last uh, Friday, we stopped there and we got the, um, they have like beef short rib poutine mm. and the, the short ribs were awesome. And there was a lot too. Nice. It was really good. And they have a good beer selection too. Yeah. And it's in the hotel, which always helps. Yeah. You just walk right up. Uh, in terms of other food, I don't know. I just, uh, we made breakfast every morning and. You know, on the mountain, that round roundhouse lodge is great. A good food up there. Um, but yeah, all the lodges have pretty decent food, I would say. Yeah, I think on the mountain, I think my favorite place to eat is the um, on the the Black Home side. Mm. There's the uh, crap round the uh, roundhouse. No. It's the one at the. Um, the one it's number eight on the map all right it's the one we're right by the bottom of uh jersey cream and the glacier express oh yeah the glacier creek lodge because they have that awesome like uh noodle bowl spot yeah i got dumplings there one day they were good and that place is awesome it's legit and then also we uh we went to the fairmont Oh, um, that's right. On Friday night, we go to like the the grill house, which is like the fancy 
steakhouse there. Now, Nick got the, um, they had a locally aged ribeye and like they actually, that or a Wagyu, like, you know, she heard of like Kobe beef. It's that kind of cow where they like, you know, feed it like beer and massage it and stuff. They actually wheeled out the roasts and you could choose how big of a steak you wanted. Get out. Nice. Which was pretty cool. And I'm usually a sucker for the ribeye and it was dry age for 45 days. And, uh, I, uh, I decided to opt for something else. They actually had you local get? venison. Oh, blueberry au jus. Huh. I decided to roll the dice on and it was, uh, it was definitely worth it. It was really, really good. As a nice. kid, I was never into the venison thing. I was found it kind of gross and gamey. But as I've gotten older, like I'm super into like elk and moose and bison and stuff. So I decided to go for the venison and it was highly recommended by the waiter and the blueberry au jus made it. And it was uh, an awesome choice. Nice. Yeah, I like venison, but I got to be in the mood for it because it's uh, the gaminess. It also depends what kind of sauce and how it's prepared and seasoned. That's a very big part of it. Yeah. And I mean, I just took the... uh you know, the waiter's recommendations on, I mean, it was rare. Like it was, cause it's, you know, it's a very, um, very lean meat. meat. So there wasn't a lot of fat on there. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was delicious. Nice. And the sauce made it, the blueberry au jus made it. Ooh, blueberry. Very cool. Um, all right. So best beer, what was your choice for beer? You know, beer again, sausage. that brick house place right in the hotel. That, um, yeah, that, uh, was it the espresso stout? Yeah, that was good. The keg has a pretty good selection too, though. I gotta say they have a decent selection. The Um, keg is probably one of the, like the, the best, like go-to places in terms of restaurants. Like it's always solid. Especially eating at the bar on a busy night. You could just squeeze in with like one or two people usually. Yeah. And they have that, um, that whole big bar room where they have tables too, if you just want to roll up and grab something quick. Yeah. I think it's called the bean me up espresso milk stout from Fuggles and Warlock. Fuggles and Warlock. Yeah. Uh, that was my favorite. How about yours? That I really liked. And they also had, uh, they had two IPAs there. One was the snow white. It was a white IPA. I forgot who made it, but it was awesome. That one really good. Solid. And then the Fuggles and Warlock was really good that uh the stout uh best coffee had timmy horton's twice Timmy's. You? yeah you know what's funny i uh i didn't get timmy's this time up there no no which is it funny is. because there's a tim horton's two towns over from me now is in that? new jersey so wow. it doesn't feel quite as exotic well you got like two good uh coffee places by you at home i've become just uh it's just ridiculous with coffee such ass a coffee snob <laughs> but I did find, so there was one morning on uh so it was Friday morning before we went out. So, you know, traveling from the East coast to the West coast, you're on, you know, you're the three hours behind, you're usually up a little bit earlier. So I was up at like six 30 and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to run out and grab coffee for, uh, you know, my people I was staying with. And, uh, I was looking up on Yelp, like where's the, the go-to coffee spot. Cause we were on the, and the people you're staying with, by the way, are in Seattle. They are, yes. Also known as Coffee Town. Coffee Stop Town. <laughs> yes. Um, so we were staying at, like I said, the Delta, which is 
I don't even know what you'd even like. Is it the the north part of the village or the the west part of the village? It's across the street from the library. That's all I know. <laughs> across the street from the library. Yes, indeed. So I was looking on on Yelp like where to go, and I always like Mogul's Coffee because the first time I ever went there, I noticed that instead of having coffee stirs like the little wooden ones you throw out, they had fettuccine, like uncooked fettuccine that you would just you know stir your coffee and then put it in the compost. I love that. So I was going to go to Mogul's and I'm like, eh, it's kind of a far walk. Is there anything closer? And I discovered this place called Mount Curry Coffee Company, which is right by the uh, the Summit Lodge Hotel, where the first time I ever was in Whistler, that's where we stayed. So I found this Mount Curry Coffee Company and they have dynamite coffee and they had really good muffins too. They had these like really healthy muffins with like pumpkin seeds and... Damn. Poppy seeds and stuff. And they also had a, uh, like a peach vanilla muffin, which was awesome. So I was a big fan of the Mount Curry Coffee Company. Um, so you could be like a normal guy and get Starbucks or fucking Timmy Hortons, couldn't you? Listen, any double double Starbucks anywhere. Get a goddamn I'm double double. You can't get Timmy's. We, now you can get Timmy's in your town, but I can get, I can get freaking Tim Hortons in New Jersey. All right. It's not exotic anymore. It's not fancy. See, this is what's wrong. This is part of what's wrong with New Jersey. You get you too much stuff there. I can get 15 Starbucks within 10 minutes. I can get Tim Hortons. This is where you donuts. migrate. You, you meld into becoming a douchebag. No, actually, I'm doing the opposite because the douchebag wants the shit he can get at home when he's traveling. I uh, want something. I want the true Whistler experience. I want the local. What do the people at Whistler drink? And I saw people. Tim Hortons. <laughs> I saw people driving snow plows. I saw people shoveling. They were coming to the Mount Curry Coffee Company to get their coffee. So I knew it was legit. Yeah, those are the fancy locals. Those are my kind of people. <laughs> That's what I want to be. A fancy local. Fancy local. All right. So now how did you get into Tim Hortons? Because nah, I, I just get it because I'm in Canada. I'm like, yeah, why not? Well, like the Tim Hortons is next to the Columbia store, right? In the village. There is, there's two of them. I actually had to ask somebody where it was. So one's by the visitor center, which is by Columbia. That's just a Tim Hortons. It's like a, a small store. They have like some donuts and just coffee. Where was the door? I couldn't find the door. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't go into that one. So I don't know. I went to the one all the way by the, uh, the IGA, the big supermarket. Oh, there's and one there too. There's a McDonald's on one side and a Tim Hortons on the other and the liquor store across the parking lot. Ah, uh, I went to the liquor store, but didn't go to the, didn't know there was a Tim Hortons there too. Yeah, that's a big one. They have sandwiches, everything there. So one on Creekside too, like the way other side. Oh, is there? Yeah, I don't know if, uh, I know somebody in town said that was the bigger one, but I don't know if there's another big one on the other side. So, and then right in the middle of town, you see like 20 Starbucks. <laughs> there's yeah. literally like two Starbucks right by that hotel. And I think a third, third or fourth, like I think I saw in the village, like they're everywhere. Oh, speaking of liquor store, now I'm not a big um, malt liquor connoisseur. Oh. They did have at that liquor store, they had Seagram's blueberry elderberry seltzer with vodka as a can. Wow. You and know, that's on uh, Beer Advocate as one of the top uh, drinks right now. I'm sure it's, it's, <laughs> it's flying up the charts right now. <laughs> and they had like a Snapple. Again, a Snapple like iced tea with vodka in it. With really Snapple? Yeah. Snapple and Seagram's both had like these like pre boozed up cans. 
Wow. And we I've seen bought Seagram's them. boozed up, but I've never seen Snapple. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, after being an apre and then buying liquor, I was like, oh, we should get some of these too. And of course, nobody wanted to drink them. They're like, <laughs> we're going to share these, right? And they're like, these are gross. We don't want these. And it's Saturday. <laughs> Got in the tomato, man. They had that too. Chilada. Oh, they had that. The Chilada. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I freaking had to chug that freaking snapple <laughs> in the shower as I'm getting ready to leave. Shower beer, shower drink. I didn't want to waste it. And it was like, and I didn't realize, because again, it was like 5% or whatever. But like when you're showering, your equilibrium's off and you're like grabbing your towel. And I was like, I grab the towel. I almost like fell over. I was like, whoa. Nice. Feel the snapple. See, that's the, that's the Harry program. The Harry program is you have a shower beer because you're on vacation because you don't want to get out of the shower and you don't want to lose your buzz while you shower. Well, the Harry program would have been, I would have drank it before <laughs> I went skiing. I was already done skiing and I was showering. That's hey, still. But it was Apre. Apre. The Harry program is anytime you're in the shower, before, <laughs> after, whatever. Get your shampoo, your conditioner, and your vodka. If you're in water, it's like a swimmer bar, but it's like a, a, a swimmer bar that you're taking a shower in. A stand up <laughs> swimmer bar. Stand up swimmer bar. I like it. That's that's the Harry program. So I don't know if it's like a Canadian thing having the boozy Seagrams and Snapple, but yeah, the boozy Snapple I've never seen. That's that may, might be a Canadian thing. That's crazy. Perhaps. Wow. Yeah, they they have different products there too. They have like the potato chips that are like ketchup potato chips and like all these flavors that you just don't see here. It's 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 unique going there. Kind of cool for sure. But and now let's talk about your love hate relationship with the village. Let me talk about my love of this village. Okay. My love of this village is called Whistler Bud Shop, right? You send them a text. He's from earlier. You send them a text and the dude shows up in like 15 minutes with whatever you want to order. And that's it. And you go. So uh, I'll put the link in the, uh, in the show notes so people can uh, do what they want for themselves. I'm not recommending anything, but I'm saying... Uh, allegedly I've heard that for a few, for a few people, it's actually worked like a charm. So you don't go anywhere. Like they come to you. Yeah. I don't think, uh, so I, I tried looking up. Too. Yeah. It's like the high maintenance. He didn't have a beard. That was, I was disappointed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he didn't have a beard. I was a little, a little bummed. I was like, come on, man. And he was like, he was doing his deliveries. He was like, all right. He had everything all packaged down, like in like professional. It, it was like a professional bag. I was like, damn, that's this guy's right on. Like a Toomey suitcase. Yeah. It was like, he had like a, a carry bag. It was like a food delivery bag, but it was like, then he opened it up. I was like, oh, there's a compartment for like his edible chocolates. And then the compartment for the edible gummies and another compartment for all the, uh, the herb that he had. So now, very what, what did you pick up from this gentleman? So um, we that's where the hemp star comes in. Um, that was very good. Then there uh, were some gummy squares, which were 10 milligrams, and they were just like sour gummies. Uh, those are good, very mellow. Um, and then there was the chocolate bar. <laughs> so let me tell you, when you're ordering a chocolate bar, they don't tell you the size of the chocolate Trick bar. Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. You are going to be tripping balls out there. Trick or treat. So you look online and like a chocolate bar, 125 milligrams or 300 milligrams. Now, just naturally, I guess just your mind, you're thinking, oh, the 300 milligram must be like a bigger chocolate bar. So I figured, let me get the big one so I could share with everybody. And um, 
he comes, he takes out the, he's like, oh, 300 milligram chocolate bar, right? I'm like, yeah. So he's going through and I see the small ass little, almost looks like, you know how they do the fundraisers and there's that little chocolate bar. It's like a skinny, you know, you pay like a buck for it or two bucks and it's, it's like a skinny. like one Kit Kat. Yeah, exactly. In like, you know, five or it's six like squares. Twix, like one Twix. Yeah, well, like, it's like two Twix put together, maybe like two Twix sticks, you know what I mean? And it's, it's pretty small, but you know, it's for a fundraiser or whatever. So he takes out the, Oh, this is 125. Oh, I gotta get you a 300. So he reaches in, gets a 300, 300 milligrams in the same size chocolate bar. <laughs> it's not a double size. It's not a super size, not even a King size. I mean, that shit is like the size of like the regular Hershey bar that you see just doubled up as a fatter profile. But I'm like, Damn. So I looked at it. It was, it was, um, six squares. So basically each little square was 50 milligrams in each. I'm like, who's going to eat this thing? Like, <laughs> like you said, trick or treat motherfucker. <laughs> so I think somebody on the trip ate like half of one of those things and they were tripping balls, wandering around Whistler village. Like, like it 25 was 25 milligrams, right? The 25 milligrams was like, damn, it's pretty rough. So I didn't See, go I, there. Allegedly, I may have a square floating around somewhere. Oh. Like afraid to break it out, you know? Dude, you know what you do? Everybody, I got some hot cocoa for the whole party. Dude, that would be hysterical. <laughs> Just dose everybody with the you know, with uh, hot cocoa. I mean, uh, you make brownies with it. Or if we get our, our funding from Mega Millions last day at work, drop that in your own coffee. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just be, Look, everybody. Anyway, I don't give a fuck about you people. <laughs> Look, I made brownies for everybody. <laughs> yeah. You could probably use that for brownies. Probably, yeah. 300 milligrams and a whole batch of brownies. That's still pretty good, but it, it'll diffuse it a little bit. I mean, it's just too much. Like, I looked at that. I was like, damn, that's a ton of weed in that, in that <laughs> bar. Who the hell's going to eat that? You know, somebody's like chopping like, oh, I've had two of them today. Like, really? You can have that much? I don't know. <laughs> you better you better have a chair. You better hold on to some shit because you, you are going to go handler. for a ride. <laughs> You're going to have that much? You need a handler. You need a, yes. You need a handler and you, you just need a happy place because you're going to be, you're going to see some shit right there. You need a handler who's wearing a GoPro. You can smart about yourself. Yeah. So that place was legit. Uh, and the guy was cool. He came in. He was like, he's like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Hey, good day. Hey. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then I looked up the laws and I think the laws, the only thing that the laws said was, um, over 19, um, you could buy it, you could possess it. Um, but there was something about, you can, they can sell it to you, but I, th- I don't think you could go anywhere and buy it. So you couldn't buy it online and you couldn't buy it. There's no storefront. So you had to order it through the shady way. So it did feel like a, I actually like that, even if it is totally legal. I like the shadiness of you send a text and then they send you a text back and then the guy shows up. It, it seems a little dirty and shady, right? Like eggplant, eggplant, eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking, <laughs> just kind of hang out like, okay, meet me out in the hall. Like, you know, a little shadiness to it. I like that. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, he was, that, that was pretty wild. So Nice. Yeah. See, I mean, I, I, the first time I was at Whistler, I loved the village. I loved the closeness, you know, how everything is right there, all the shops. But as I've gotten there a couple more times, I've grown to just be annoyed by the village. You know, I just, yeah, it especially is quite on like that Saturday. So Saturday we forgot the mountain, like one o'clock 
and there's just so many douchebags just walking around. I'm like, yep. this is a perfect bluebird ski day. What are you fuckers doing here if you're not skiing? Yeah. You know, like it's just, it's become just such a, I guess it's a lot of, you know, rich Asian money and a lot of tech money. Um, Mm. just coming in people just going to say they went to whistler you know they're just hanging out they're just going shopping they're yeah. going to restaurants or doing whatever and i don't know if it's just that just place to say you've gone or if like I'm, i don't think the epic path that's got something to do with it but it's in a different way like that's what the mountain was crowded i mean it's a gigantic mountain but you know that with the u.s dollar being so strong versus the canadian and you know utah colorado not having the best snow this year people i think a lot of people who had the epic pass were like screw we'll just go to whistler it's not going to cost that much and we'll just go skiing up there so you know that's that's one of the the positives and negatives about getting these these passes for you know the, the big ones um because you you have that ability but it also makes things significantly more crowded yeah um and yeah, like even just going out anywhere, like you need a reservation to go out to dinner and it's, it's, yeah. it seems like it's just full of so many douchey people because it is expensive and it is, you know, high end and, 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 you know, in a way it kind of almost hurts the mountain, which is such a great skiing mountain because it has kind of this, you know, rich douchebag exterior you have to kind of get through to get to that mountain. Yeah. And again, it's for you, if you're bringing a family, like it, it's got to be a fortune to spend a week there. Yeah. I mean, there are some places that we went with the club. So we went to like uh, Crystal Lodge. So it's in the Crystal uh, Hotel, but it's like back downstairs, like in the back of it, like it's really hidden and you get there and you're like, all right, this is place is pretty cool. And like somebody was saying they have really good wings and it, it wasn't like stuffy and pretentious. And like, that was kind of cool to find little places like that. But for the most part, like the thing I don't like about the thing that's a turnoff of the village is uh, dinner at the big restaurants is a shit show and it's a big, it's a big to do. And it's like, you know, you can't get any reservations because people booked reservations like two months in advance. And it's just like, all right, so you're going to eat it like eight o'clock every night. And it's like, after a while, I get tired of that. Plus, it takes a while to eat. Like, especially if you go with like four, five, six, eight people, it starts getting slower and slower and the places are busy. So uh, going out, I think uh, I didn't really go out on any big dinners. We were going to go out in the one dinner on Friday and, and I bailed. But um, every every night we just kind of one night I got pizza. Another night uh, went to the keg, went to the place downstairs in the hotel, uh, which was legit. Um, but it was kind of just, you know, grabbing food out, walking around, but it's all like, when you look at the village, the, the, it is nice that you have all the shopping there and everything, but it's the same shopping you see in every other high end ski town. Like you're going to have your, you know, your Arcteric store and your North face and your Columbia and your, you know, all the same stores. Patagonia and Helly Hansen. Yeah. Exactly. So you walk around, you're like, okay, I just saw all this stuff. If you just went on another vacation, you're like, it's the same stuff. It's a big mall, you know? So you get your little shopping done. You get your little knickknacks. Usually the the small little shop in between those big shops is where you get all your little knickknacks and your stickers and all your, you know, your, your crazy stuff that you want to bring back. And uh, you, you peruse through the other shops, but it's kind of like, yeah, the, the, the village for me doesn't, you know, it's not like, it never really wows me, but it's nice that it's there. It's very convenient, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I just, uh, they do yeah. have some stuff off the beaten path, like 
if you go off of the main walk, like there's like the breakfast place that we went to, there's like a taco Elm, shop back yeah, there. This is awesome. Yeah. I went to Urban too. Was it Urban or Elm? I thought it was Elements. Oh yeah, you're right. Elements. Um it's right by the Mount Curry Coffee Company. Yeah, that was that place was really good. Uh, so it's like stuff like that, 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 that has a little bit of charm and it's kind of nice to have that. And you wish it had a little bit more of that. Oh, it's elements, urban tapas. <laughs> oh, <cool>. there. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, it's almost like it's hard to find something that's kind of laid back and, and easy to get into, you yeah. know, everything. It's almost like super fancy high end is the default. Yeah. You know? And a lot of chains, you know? Yeah. For the small stuff. Yeah. You know, for like the, but yeah, I mean, well, like even the keg, like, so the keg we're driving through that downtown Vancouver and they have a keg there. So it's like, you know, even the big restaurants are like chainy too. So it's kind of, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, if you look at, you know, they sold for what, $1.3 billion a couple of years ago to Vail. Yeah. Uh, whatever they're doing is working. They're getting tons of people in there. Yeah. But you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's something about it. Just. It really drives me crazy, those people. Because again, it's not it's it's not the ski people, you know, like they're obviously there, but they're the ones who are probably ordering something cheap and easy and eating in the room and hanging out and going to bed early so they can go up skiing the next morning and get first tracks. Yeah. You know, or it's cooking all, in the room or getting takeout or something. Yeah, it's just all these like scene stirs and just douchebags just kind of wandering around the village, just buying shit and not really skiing, just taking up space and filling up restaurants so the first night we're there we, we decide we're gonna walk around town and just get some freaking pizza we're gonna go to the keg get a burger like just something normal we're just gonna hop in anywhere that we can get something that was eat. a saturday night right that was a saturday night yeah yeah which is always the worst right so we're like look i'm not expecting to get in any place to so go to the keg it's packed we go so we're like Fuck it, avalanche pizza. We'll just get some pizza and and just go back get some sleep. So I'm talking to people the next day. They're like, "Yeah, we went over to the sushi place and they had no seating available. We went to another because they wanted to eat sushi. Went to another place that had sushi. They ran out of sushi. You know, um, all the other places looked at us like, "No, we're not going to let you in because we're busy and and that's it." Like they they got like attitude from some of the people. And I was like, a group of twelve. No, they are actually a group of, they were a group of four. And I was like, still, oh. it's just, you know, cause you don't have reservations and it's a Saturday night. So it was just kind of like, just to see that it's like, that's, that's where it falls down. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I guess if you do have reservations, you're like, oh, you go in, you have a nice time, whatever. But uh, if you don't, like, it's not a lot of, uh, and you got, you got to book reservations like a week, two weeks in advance, especially if you want that anywhere between six and eight time slot, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, um, the veil touch going north of the border right yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah. I like just rolling up on a nice little taco stand or something like that. Rocky mountain taco. Love that place. <laughs> Fucking love those guys too. That's what they need. A couple food trucks out there, you know, something, something for the, for the oh, common folk, for us. Dude, I would, I would contribute to a Rocky mountain taco truck out there. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It's like a renegade taco truck. Rocky mountain taco and Whistler bud shop combined man mm. just like they have in Vail. that would be awesome rolling bud and burrito and you need a brewery right there too that's the formula that's the that's the hat trick the trifecta the trifecta 
it is kind of funny, like putting on a Canadian Sports Center and seeing curling highlights. That was pretty cool, though. Dude, they had the big tournament going on. We were watching curling every morning. Yeah. Couldn't get enough of it. I was like, damn. Curling and hockey, that's all you saw. <laughs> the beautiful thing. <laughs> all right, so any other uh, last remarks on on the Whistler trip? No, it was a good. Put this one in the books. Going to save. Uh, I posted all my pictures and um, got a lot of good memories. Made, made some more friends, so that was good. Yeah, it's a it's a great spot. You know, the the skiing is great. The village is uh It can be it depends what you're into. It could be you it's know all good and all bad at the same time. Exactly, but the mountain itself it uh it more than redeems itself. That's for sure. Yeah. So. We'll post links to all of some of our favorites. Um, maybe have a few pictures and video links at skibumpodcast.com. Under the ropes. First off, China to bar people with bad social credit from planes and trains. <laughs> so this sounds like that freaking first episode of Black Mirror last season. Yeah. Uh, China said it will begin applying its so-called social credit system to flights and trains and stop people who have committed misdeeds from taking such transport for up to a year. Wow. People who would be put on the restricted lists included those found to have committed acts like spreading false information about terrorism and causing trouble on flights, as well as those who used expired tickets or smoked on trains, according to two statements issued on the National Development and Reform Commission's website on Friday. Those found to have committed financial wrongdoing, such as employers who failed to pay social insurance or people who have failed to pay fines, would also face these restrictions, said the statements, which were dated March 2nd. So this is a little bit creepy. This is one of those things that can be a very slippery slope and. Uh, start spiraling out of control very quickly. Well, some of it I agree with spreading false information about terrorism and causing trouble on flights. That gets you on the no fly list. I thought <laughs> like that's kind of already there, but isn't that kind of where it starts? And then they're like, yeah, well this person doesn't like, you know, think about the person in charge of that, um, that uh, national development and reform commission. Like, yeah. yeah, that guy was a jerk off to me in high school. Like, fuck him. He can't go on the plane. Like, yeah, Whenever you put people in charge of something like this, it will they will always do the most douchey, terrible things to people. Yeah. It is China though. Experiment where they put the people like made people like prison guards and other people just regular prisoners and the way the prison guards like took advantage of the other people. Yeah. It's the same thing with this. Oh yeah. But it is China, by the way. So let's not keep you know, I mean, they are communists and they do whatever the hell they want. Oh, China's been crushing it lately, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just, uh, that's China. Speaking of crushing it. Speaking of crushing it, uh, there's an out-of-control Chinese space station that is going to crash into the Earth. Nobody knows when or where, but they're saying anywhere from, I think they're saying California all the way through Pennsylvania, it could fall somewhere. So it's kind of like a lottery system right there. So you could hit the lottery or you can get crushed by a space station. You never know. Lucky lottery, right? Unluckily, lottery. So they're saying uh, they're tracking this. It's a um, it's a collapsing satellite, and I guess China for some time now they're saying um, back in 
back, I think it was, it was like a few years ago, it stopped responding to, um, to, I guess like, you know, commands to do stuff. And I think they had like some astronauts visit at one time and it's in the whole time it's been around. Um, so they're saying that it's going to crash and they're thinking it's going to fall within the next few days. So they're saying between Saturday and Monday morning, um, and it's going to fall anywhere. Um, they're saying potentially the U S they're hoping it falls in the ocean, but you just never know. This is like the old, uh, I don't know if you remember, maybe I'm showing my age, but remember Skylab when that was coming down, everybody's making jokes about it crushing them. So this is kind of the same thing. Shit's going to fall down from the sky. Oh man. So basically, uh, anywhere in the U S you got to keep your head on a swivel the next few days. See something coming out. You better, you better run. But they're saying don't touch it because there's uh, probably going to be some toxic stuff um, that falls with it. So don't inhale it and don't touch it. But I think that might just be a ploy to, you know, get them to return it. They're saying we got to return it back. I mean, I don't know if I find it. I'm I'm keeping that shit. If it like crushes your dog, you're going to be like, oh, I got to return this. I ain't returning shit. Just I'm going to blow that shit up. I'll sell it. How much is it worth to China now? How about that? Can you take a billion dollars? They're going to return that. They're going to blow it up. They're going to shoot it. That's right. Hey, I'll sell it back to them at a premium. They'll put some monster truck tires on and drive it around. That's right. We got your Skylab here. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of... Use your shitty queer Chinese satellite right here. <laughs> Come on and get it, man. 35-inch Mickey Thompson's on there right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You eat 10 chocolate bars and you can have this satellite. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see, come on everybody over. We have some delicious chocolate from America. Why don't you eat all this and then we can take the the rocket back home. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, it's, it's kind of like we should have a pool, like what state it falls in. Like Vegas should have a line on this. Where's it going to fall? Probably do. Probably do. Let's see if there's a line. All right. All right, this story is yours too. This is your uh, so this is a follow-up. Uh Mike Hughes, the flat earther that wanted to, he made his own rocket and we covered it. I gotta say, this is a while ago. This is I don't know how many episodes, but I think it was back in November. Right? Yeah. Uh he's a 61-year-old limo driver and he's a self-taught rocket scientist, which I don't know what that really means. I guess if you build a rocket, you're kind of a rocket scientist. Um so he tried blasting himself into orbit or into the air. <laughs> I don't know if he ever planned on going to orbit, but he was going to blast himself in the air so he could check out if the earth was really flat um, because he's a flat earther, uh, believes the earth's f- earth is a flat disc and all the pictures of the lunar landing were, of the, um, you know, from space were mocked up like globe pictures and stuff like that. It's, it's this whole crazy conspiracy, uh, that a lot of people are into, but, um, I'm not, I just, I'm just fascinated that people are thinking about this. And, uh, he decided, uh, he built, so he built this rocket and they stopped him from launching it because they said it was unsafe. And then they, uh, I guess under some clause of he was going to land in government territory, you know, state land, they, they said he couldn't blast off. And I think they either arrested him or stopped him from doing it. So after many delays, he propelled himself almost 2000 feet into the air Saturday before a hard landing in the Mojave desert 
about 200 miles east of Los Angeles. So he told the Associated Press that outside of an aching back, he's fine after the <laughs> after the launch near Amboy, California. <laughs> so um, he had a. <laughs> oh, this is just so crazy. So he got checked out by paramedics after his steam powered craft emblazed with the words flat earth returned to the ground. So, uh, he said it wasn't to necessary to, to this time. He said he wasn't so jazzed up about the flat earth. He said he didn't want people saying that he chickened out, um, and, and that he didn't build a rocket. So he had to prove them, them all wrong. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting. So this was, he built the rocket out of, I think it was a camper. <laughs> That's what I would use if I was building a homemade <laughs> rocket too. <laughs> well, think of. He's a self-proclaimed uh, scientist. I'm amazed he didn't kill himself, to be honest. I am so amazed he didn't kill himself. So um, they say he, it estimated that he, um, His assistant, he has an assistant. I gotta, that's gotta be some fucking crew. Uh, he, he estimated that he was going about 350 miles an hour before deploying a parachute. Um, and then they said he was dropping too fast, uh, even though he sent out a second parachute. So even with the two parachutes, it was a rough, rough landing. So I think he should just be happy that he's alive because I don't he, really. He's a understand. rocket scientist, not a parachute scientist. <laughs> I don't really understand how he survived that. So. I think it's pretty impressive that he did. I, I, that's what's blowing my mind is that he survived this. I think they have video of the launch. Oh my God. There better be. Yes, there is. First flat earth launch ever. 324.18. Why doesn't he take his RV and just drive around the earth to see if it's flat or not? Oh, it's edge? up. <laughs> Let's see that shit fall. It went up pretty good. Oh, yeah. There's no way that was going anywhere. <laughs> it goes up and then it just stops giving any gas. And it's like, oh, that shit's coming back. <laughs> coming in hot. It's not like you're watching the Tesla rocket where it's like, oh, that shit's going up really high. Like this was like, yeah, I don't think it's going up high. Mm. But it was steam powered. I, I mean, it's impressive that it was steam powered. But but why doesn't this guy take his camper and drive to the edge of the earth if he believes it has an edge? Because that's what uh, he made the rocket out of. <laughs> so he can't drive it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So there's a, uh, there's a whole uh, video of this guy. Yeah. We'll have it on the website. If you want to check it out. I got to say him and bear suit, man, I'm fascinated with right now. Yeah. Maybe those two guys can get together and, and figure something out. Oh, bear suit, flat earth. Was his name? Troy. Troy Herdebeast. Troy Herdebeast. <laughs> I know his name like it's, it was yesterday. Because the man. And if anybody hasn't seen Bear Suit Man, you got to YouTube that shit because it is hilarious. One of our faves. <laughs> I like where they put the music. <laughs> Best is when they hit him with a car and he goes flying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Toronto Chef Butcher's Deer. Eat steak in front of vegan protesters. <laughs> I love this dude. So uh, Toronto chef, exasperated with some vegan activists protesting outside of his restaurant, decided to fire back in a rather unique way. A small group of vegans gathered outside of the Antler Kitchen and Bar, a West End Toronto restaurant, 
with a banner and cameras to protest the eating and butchering of meat this weekend. The vegans have been protesting there regularly, and the antler has responded with a few stunts, like pushing their foie gras usage. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> this time, though, much to the vegans' chagrin, Michael Hunter, the restaurant's chef, who specializes in wild game meat, upped his game by hauling a leg of deer out of the window and started carving it up in full view of the protesters. Damn. <laughs> Police there to oversee the protests went in to talk to Hunter during this, but decided that, hell, since it's his restaurant, he can do what he likes. That's right. Yeah. In a video provided to Unilad, you hear the protesters were none too pleased. <laughs> He's doing this deliberately to mock and taunt us because we're vegan, says the man behind the camera. That's the voice I made up for him. He could talk totally <laughs> differently, but I'm assuming that's probably how he talks. As you can see, the owner has brought the leg of a recently murdered animal to the front of the restaurant to taunt the activist. <laughs> yeah. From there, well, Hunter didn't really pay any heed to the protesters. He just butchered part of the deer, cutting off a good-sized hunk of meat. The chef then took his meat and headed to the back of his restaurant. When he returned to the window, he had a big plate with just a sole chunk of most likely the recently butchered meat cooked to perfection on it. No garnish, no sides, just meat. <laughs> One sitting, he quickly went to town on the steak. Ah, it's <laughs> awesome. I can't stop you assholes from protesting, but you can't stop me from eating my meat. That's right. That guy is a badass. I freaking love that guy. You know, it's just like, so the guy has a business as a restaurant. Why are you coming down on him? I don't know. I understand you want to protest, but why you got to protest at somebody else's expense? He's not the guy that's killing every animal in the world. It's a restaurant. It says in this article, it says one of the protesters said that the reason for targeting antler was because it's a small business that uses ethical meat. That's exactly why you should leave him alone. Exactly. These people are just delusional assholes. So you're targeting them because they're doing it in an ethical way and you're not targeting the ones that are not doing it in an ethical way and as a small business. So you want to try to put them out of business. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Well, apparently the protesters don't believe in the concept of ethical meat. Okay. But you're trying to put another small business out of, out they of business. They prefer unethical meat. So you're going to let the big companies go do whatever they want and you're going to go after the little guy. That's really, really smart. Yeah, it's just, just a bunch of angry assholes who are mad at their dad for some reason and are just a bunch of just have nothing else going on. They're just going to bitch and protest and just try to ruin someone else's hard work. Let me see this photo right here. So this asshole, I think, is wearing, let's see, he's wearing leather. <laughs> He's got a suede jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you do that every day. Set up the kitchen right there and watch him set up the grill right there of the kitchen, right by the window. I'm I'm in Toronto. I'm going to Antler Kitchen and Bar getting a giant steak. Dude, that's like fucking Gallagher's. They got all the meat hanging in the front window. Yeah. That's crazy. No one protesting there. Yeah. You know why? Because it's in New York. They're like, the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you. Come on. Vinny, Bobby, let's get rid of these assholes. Yeah. All right. And the uh, final story we have is a doozy. So a New Zealand man finally admitted that he used a ruse to sleep with a woman 
Who who hasn't? This wow, is like been guy use a ruse to sleep with a woman. It's like this has been going on since the beginning of time. So his ruse was, um, he, I don't, I guess he must have targeted this woman, but he admitted in court that he tricked a woman to having sex with him, telling her he had been poisoned and would die within forty eight hours unless she had sex with him. So twenty four year old. A con artist pled guilty Friday to sexual connection induced by threat in uh, district court. Like, I don't understand why induced by threat. So the way the scam worked is um, the man who is not identified showed up at the woman's home, red faced and bent over, told her he had been beaten up and forced to drink a vial of poison. He said there is no antidote available and the only cure is to sweat out the toxins uh, within 48 hours. When she suggested the, the plot of crank. Exact product. Like he saw the movie Crank and was like, I think I get laid from this. <laughs> when she suggested he go for a brisk jog, he declined, saying the toxins could only be eliminated in a particular way. Uh, at that point, the woman began receiving emails from an unknown address collaborating, corroborating his story, and the emails directed her to perform sexual acts on the man four times and have intercourse three times within 48 hours. So this guy was hanging out for 48 hours. Uh, police say she con- consented in order to save the man's life. So it was consensual. I mean, just because she, you know, she was helping a guy out, she's helping a brother out. And now this dummy's pregnant with this re- retard combination of uh, <laughs> this chick too stupid to realize the, you know, this guy's full of shit. And this con artist asshole. So at 48 hours, this guy walks away and a nice night. She consented. She helped save his life. Everybody feels good. Pat you on the back. Thanks a lot. I'll visit you next week. Maybe we can go out for real dinner because, you know, this was a really odd circumstance. You saved my life. That's what a normal person That's what a normal person would have done, right? Now, after 48 hours, the woman continued to get threatening emails, said uh, her loved ones would be harmed or, uh, or semi-naked pictures of her would be posted online if she didn't perform sexual acts with the man three to seven times a day. Now he's 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 flying too close to the sun right there. Um, That's getting greedy. And she was instructed to let the man film sex, uh, film the sex on his phone. So that's when she began suspecting the ruse. Now, the, now she suspected it because the because the emails referred to the man by a nickname. Uh, nickname he only ever called himself because he was the only person to benefit from the arrangement. His so, name is Donald Trump. She she eventually reported to reported him to police, and now he f- faces sentencing. So I don't know who's dumber, the guy that's taking crank, and well, I, I it's pretty clever, uh, but I don't see how this woman. I know she wanted to save a life. She's very giving, and but what after forty eight hours, like, don't you say I'll throw you a bang and call the cops at the same time? Like, you know. I'll do uh, I'll do you once, but I'm going to call the cops while you're you know while we're doing it or something. Did she know this guy in the in, to start, or did you just kind of like? I don't know, man. I'm thinking maybe he knew her, but <laughs> had sex like that's crazy, man. So she performed sexual acts four times and had sex three times, and then started becoming suspicious. You know, what would be awesome if she had like herpes. And he didn't realize it. There you go. And he's like, oh, I was like, I get to have free sex. He's like, uh-oh, I got herpes now because of it. 
Well, I had to help you from dying, so sorry. That's under the, uh, what's the protection under the uh, Good Samaritan Law? <laughs> Good Samaritan Law. I hadn't, didn't have to disclose anything. That is a yeah. weird story. That is very weird. I just don't know, like, how do you not say, okay, why don't you come in? I'm going to call the cops and the guy will probably run away. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that is the exact um he's jason statham right that's that's crank yep cranked (laughs) i guess they don't get i guess maybe that movie never made it to new zealand it was a pretty good movie (laughs) it was gotta tell you the one where they like the part that lost me was they parachute they get they go out of the airplane without a parachute and they land and he gets up and then has sex with the girl like in the public market it was just bizarre like, I don't know how you do that. Like, I see no problem with that. I see no problem with it, but I couldn't get past him surviving the, the fall. Like, I was like, what? Yeah. So he was reacting that part. There was a lot of holes in that script. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to throw, you just got to suspend disbelief and enjoy. There's obviously a lot of holes in this story, too. Yes. In more ways than one. So. I don't know how you get suspicious after banging a guy like that for 48 hours. Just saying. Yes. Very strange story. Quick. I have to have sex to save my life. Oh, okay. I'm going to try that. I'm going to have to try that. Hey, this weekend, you know, give it a whirl. <laughs> I'm going to go out this weekend be like, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to die. Or you'd be like, Did you ever see the, the brothers Grimsby? <laughs> No, like Sasha Baron Cohen movie with a uh, what was his name Mark Strong I guess or whatever, and uh, I guess Mark Strong's character gets like shot with like a poison dart and is like nuts, yeah, <laughs> and he's like he's like I'm gonna die. He's like you gotta suck the uh, the poison out suck the uh, the poison out of me. And he's like, oh man, sorry, you know, why you gotta die? <laughs> like suck my balls. <laughs> sorry, it's a bad way to die, man. Oh, the other one's hiding in the uh, elephant, right? Yup, one of the best scenes ever. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. That movie is so stupid, but so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ever want to see something pretty bizarre, just watch that movie. If you happen to have a 300 milligram cannabis chocolate, <laughs> nothing to do. That's the way to go. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We are on all the socials, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast. Check us out on Pinterest. We are the Highfalutins, and we're also on SoundCloud at highfalutin-skibum. Thank you guys again for listening. Please go on to your favorite podcast apps and rate us, and we will see you guys next week. Stay high, stay polluting. See ya. Damn, I clicked.